Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 30, Rebecca Meyer, Surface Designer, recorded on April 23rd, 2015. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Shue Balzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm good, but uh, as the longest tenured member of the Julie Faithan Balzer Stalking Society, <laughs> uh, I have... Noticed that you've been in some kind of frenzy of stamp carving recently, possibly to the detriment of your other duties. And I wondered if you had anything to say in your defense before history (laughs) renders its judgment. This is one of those things about it's an obsession, but is it a healthy obsession? So I just got done teaching a a, a class that I haven't taught in a while, which is carving stamps for patterning, in which I show people how to create all these cool pattern stamps. And uh, it has created an incredible frenzy in me in which I... Every time I walk into my studio, all I want to do is carve stamps. It's certainly to the detriment of my back, uh, but uh, and I've made a bajillion new stamps. But, you know, I think my creativity goes in binges. Like, I had a student in class who said, oh, where's your embroidery? And I said, you know, I haven't been bringing my embroidery lately. I've actually been doing other kind of art. And it's true, like, you know, I'll spend six months where that's obsessively what I do every chance I get. Then I'll spend six months where I do something else. And I think for me, that keeps me from getting burned out by working continually in different areas with binge cycles. So yes, my Instagram right now is full of a million pattern stamps because that's what I'm obsessed with. But, you know, things sort of ebb and flow, I think, I hope, we'll see. But, you know, I think I think if you do what you love, then... It's always interesting. Whereas if you're forcing yourself to do something that you're not really excited about, then it feels kind of sad. Anyway, that's my story. That's my defense. Sad. You don't think it's there sad? No, I don't okay. want you to be sad. Oh, mom, you don't want me. Although to be I sad? will mention that that travel embroidery you've been working on it for how many years? Off and on for like two years. Yeah. That's obsessive too. <laughs> I'm just saying that's probably your fault somehow. Anyway, okay, oh, so. Now that I've defended myself, because I really have not done anything I should do, I've just been carving stamps all day, uh, I want to introduce our fantastic guest today. Her name is Rebecca Meyer, and she uh, sent me the shortest bio on earth, which does not at all do justice to who she is, but I'm going to read it to you anyway, which is she's a mixed media author, collage and fiber artist, a teacher, and a design consultant within the art and craft industries, and her passion is collage and mixed media with a focus on fabric and fiber. And that is just but a mere touch in to what Rebecca Meyer does. So Rebe- Rebecca, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk with you. Absolutely. Well, we, we'll, well, Rebecca and I first met in a ladies' room, <laughs> which is where all great meetings of the mind happen. Uh, it was, gosh, it's got to be four years ago, maybe? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. I, I both kind of recognized each other, like, you know, where do I know her from I know her you know and then we started talking yeah because I remember you had a fabulous bag which of course I said oh my god your bag is fabulous and you said oh I made that Mm -hmm. um which immediately then I wanted to be like I want that will she notice if I rip it out of her hands um and you have done a ton of the reason I titled this Rebecca Meyer service designers you've done a ton of service design for fabric yes yes that's one of my um, when you're talking about things you like to do and then it doesn't seem like work, um, doing surface design on fabric and paper is is one of my favorite things. 
Well, do. let's go backwards a little bit. How did you how did you stumble or did you more purposefully walk into that area of creativity? Oh gosh. Well, I've always loved collage and I always like to come up with tech, different techniques, um, kind of push the the bar to see, you know, always experimenting with different things. And I thought, what if I do a painting technique that would incorporate collage somehow and using paint and fabric? So that's um, just practicing and, like you said, doing it in your, you know, time away from other things that you, you know, have to get done. And it just evolved. And now I teach it. And, um you know, make things with it. And it was just a process, you know, time process over time, I guess would be the best. Do you have an art background, Rebecca? I do not. Um, in hindsight, I wish I would have gone to art school. But when, at that point in time, um, it just didn't work out. So no, I, I don't have any formal training. And were you a traditional quilter at some point and then wandered over or no? Well, when I um, first started doing this for money, um, the the style and the theme was folk art country. So, and you know, I don't know if you remember, your mom probably remembers like when mauve was (laughs) a popular color, mauve and blue, light blue. Um, And so if you say traditional, that's what I think of way back then. and I just forgot your question. What was it? Well, I just asked, were you a traditional quilter before oh, you? I would say um, not big, intensive type type quilts like you, um, you know, see at a quilt show. Um, more of art quilting. You know, that's what I've always gravitated towards because it's, you know, free form form design. Oh, I know. Because when I stumbled into quilting, which I loved, I think I made one or two semi-traditional quilts and then I was off the reservation. Yes. Which is fun. It is very fun. And you actually have a whole bunch of books that are on quilting and surface design. Well, yes. My two books um, on fabric collage, um, one, the first one was fabric art collage and the second uh, was more fabric art collage. So it's taking... Um, you know, quilting sewing supplies and pairing them with art supplies like mediums and paint and so forth um, and making surface design on those type of of product, like interfacings, fusible webs and such. Can you talk a little bit about why you prefer um, fabric art collage as opposed to paper art collage? Because I know I have a lot of people who love paper art collage, but I'm not sure I have a ton who are even that familiar with fabric art collage. Um, Well, many times I combine the two, paper and fabric, when I can. Um, I just like the the different textures that they both bring to, um, you know, a piece of art. Um, I think coming from a sewing background, I kind of gravitate towards fabric um, as a different, just a different surface. Um, I I do a lot of paper collage as well. I just um, don't publish it as much, but um, I like that's interesting. How come? Uh, it just you know I've been so focused on my books and different things and and programs and 
stencils and things, I really haven't had time to, um, you know, go there. But I, I love it. You know, and I, and I do, um, in my new program that I designed, have some tissue papers that I designed. So, um, Well, let's talk have... about what your new program is so people know what you're talking about. So when, when you say program, it's um, a group of things that um, I've been lucky enough to pair, um, oh, what do you, uh, put together with a company called Fabric Editions. And it's kind of an offshoot of my, my fabric art collage books in that um, I give all these techniques and um, the, the planogram, which will be in the store, and a planogram, how would you best describe it, Julie? It's like the end of um, the aisle. Mm-hmm, in, like an end cap. End cap, yeah. So, which will be in Joanne's in the fall. And it... And by the I, way, for people who don't know, getting a product in Joanne's is like a big effing deal. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love you. Um, so it will be... Actually, I got them today. Um, some fabric that I designed for it. Um, paintable fabric, which I think will be cool. And it's it's kind of interesting because it'll be in the fabric department at Joanne's. So um, surface design you know, painting along with the fabric I designed and there'll be some felt in the program and some interfacing and um, Lutrador and all in prepackaged, you know, bags. So, so people can buy, you know, and then there'll also be uh, kits as well. Okay. Let's start at the beginning because you just said a thousand things that I think are going to be Greek to people. Okay. So uh, I want to start at the very beginning, which is to say, so uh, when you design or have a product, if you're very lucky, you get an end cap, which is how people notice your product. Because when you think about it, when you go to the store and you're going down the aisles, what do you look at? You look at the end caps because that's what's facing Mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, Rebecca has a a system or a plan or whatever you want to call it of products that work together and they're going to basically be sort of advertised together so that you understand how they all work. Now, some of the things she's talking about are very much out of the art quilting world and we don't necessarily use them in um, paper collage and stuff like that, but they are useful for paper collage and it's kind of exciting, um, some opportunities there. So I want to talk a little bit about what is Lutrador? Let's start right there. It actually, I have been told, is the um, stuff that you find under furniture is like that holds, you know, everything together. It's it's an interfacing and they also use it in um, car, car seats and um, that's how it traditionally has been used. But um, it came, I don't even know who really started using it, but, um, you know, artists and crafters found it to be cool to paint. And you can, you know, melt it and do different things with a heat gun. And, um, you know, and, and then you could use it like you would. Um, it's paper-like, but then it's fat, more fabric-like and sheer. Um with fi- all these fibers running through it. So it makes a cool, um, you know, it could be a uh, page in an art journal or you could make a pillow, I mean, or, you know, art quilt. Um, you would use it just like you would a piece of fabric. 
So here is, I, I'm going to translate a little bit. My, my feeling on Luchador, and I've only used it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, is that it's sort of the deli paper of the fabric world, which is to say it's a product that was not intended for art use, but it has so many great fabric-like properties, whereas deli paper has so many paper-like great properties. It takes paint well. It collages mm-hmm. into things well. It's just really cool. And <laughs> pardon me, I think that's why quilting artists grab a hold of it. Although if I recall, it's not cheap. I guess it's it's if you really like it and, and want to use a lot of it, you don't need to use a lot of it, but, um, you know, artists and crafters, if it's something they like, they will pretty much pay. Sell your know. house to get it. I'm pretty sure that I would sell my <laughs> house to get it. <laughs> but you, you articulated that very well. That That is the gist of Luchador. Well, you know, food is overrated, but, you know, when there's a beautiful craft supply, you really need it. <laughs> okay, so then another thing you mentioned is interfacing. So mm-hmm. what are you using? Now, I think people who, well, okay, for people who are completely unfamiliar with sewing, let's talk about what interfacing is. Okay, interfacing is um, a material that um, gives stability to a garment or, um, i trying to think, you know, what other, any kind of sewing project that you need something sometimes I think like when people make like those fabric boxes and stuff like that they use interfacing to sort of stiffen it up right right to give it support and strength and it comes in all different kinds of um like thicker um like for the bowls and and purses and that type of thing all the way down to very thin um like luchador or you know any kind of um fine you know, a piece of material to support that. So there's a wide range. Um, in our program, my program, um, Peltex is is what will be sold. And, uh, and Peltex comes in black and white. And we will have both. Um, and it, um, you know, you can paint that. And you, it's really good for support of like tags, or if you're going to make a uh, fabric book or journal, that type of thing. And again, this is a supply that was originally made just sort of as a support that was really not meant to be seen. And now you're talking about using Green. it as a surface that is seen. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely. Which I think is so much what all of uh, mixed media and so many other things is, which is repurposing things that were originally intended otherwise for a, uh, shall we say, a better purpose, a more interesting <laughs> purpose. It makes it fun and interesting and, you know, the, the what if factor, what if I do this or, you know, what if I paint this, what will it look like? And sometimes, and I, you probably find this, I think, Julie, that for every cool thing you do, there's a bunch of stuff that turns out really crappy. I was going to say, for every cool thing you do, there's 20 crappy things that you just covered up. Yes, yes. That's the beauty of art quilting. You can do that. Um, you know, so... That's that's what I have. I 
But that's also the thing that I always tell people, which is if you made something crappy, that's fantastic because it means you're one step closer to making something cool. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't get down on yourself when crappy things happen. They're part of the process and they just mean that you're pushing towards something new. I I think I've told this story before, but I love it, which is Anne Bogart, who's a famous um, stage director, a theatrical director, said something that I thought was really brilliant. Her company, the City Company, puts out a lot of work that people don't like, frankly. Um, And then every now and then there's a piece of theirs that I am telling you is brilliant beyond brilliant and she said she made a choice early in her life which is she could either do uh you know 10 things that are mediocre that are fine that people would like and would be fine or she could do one spectacular thing and nine crappy things and just have that cycle have to happen I mean obviously it's not an exact ratio but Mm -hmm. I think that's exciting because it's the idea that you're pushing at things and sometimes it's a failure when you push at things and sometimes it's a success but I think you have to reach for that one time that it's amazing and you could learn from what you did or you, that you feel you did wrong or would like to do differently um, for the next time. Absolutely. Because there has to be a next time because you have to keep generating bad work in order to get to oh, the good sure. work. Definitely. Definitely. So you said something interesting, which I want to talk about a little bit, which is you said fabric that's meant for painting. And now I'm sure there are people out there who are going, what's the difference between fabric that's meant for painting and fabric oh, well, that isn't? Okay. So what I did was design, oh, like five or six different fabrics. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's white on white fabric. So it's, it's like white fabric and it also has like a, a little bit of a raised white design on it Mm -hmm. the fabrics. So using that as like, um, a guideline, I designed, um, fabric with a lot, some of my stencil designs on and so forth. And when you paint it, um, then the background takes the color, but the white still remains. Yes. And so so for those people who are familiar at all with the scrapbooking industry, there was a rage for a while of papers that did this where they had a, it was white on white with an embossed resist. Mm -hmm. Same type of principle. And then from that, you could either use it as it is, or you can, um, you know, mix media it and, you know, put some stamping and, and use, you know, your markers, fabric markers or whatever um, to color the fabric or further design it. Let's talk so. supplies while you're talking about markers and stamps and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. for you, for working on fabric, do you have a favorite set of fabric markers or a couple different brands that you like and use? Oh, I have a variety. I like the, the um, I love to create markers. I like those. Um, those are dye-based, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe so. And then um, I like the Jacquard stuff. I, I really like their, um, their markers. Um, I don't use a lot of markers. Um, I generally use, you know, paints. Um, well, what are your favorite brands of paints? Okay. That's, that's good. Um, again, I like the Jacquard products. Um, I like the fluid acrylics. Those work well. Are you talking about the golden fluid acrylics? Golden, golden and then um, DecoArt also has, has a, um, a brand of fluid acrylics. Which, and which do I you use. ever worry about putting uh, paints that aren't necessarily meant for fabric on fabric? 
Uh, generally, no, because, and I also use just regular craft paint sometimes to, for it to have dimension. Um, once you heat set, um, you know, dye with an iron or put it in your um, clothes dryer, um, you know, it's set. And if you've ever gotten paint like on a your shirt or something, you know, if, if you leave it long enough, you're never going to get that out. So... I don't generally worry about that. And what I'm doing is art quilting and fiber art and such that I'm not worried about, you know, the, the color fading or changing the hand of the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I know that sometimes when I work with fabric, I actually prefer to use paints that are going to stiffen up the fabric because I okay. like turning the fabric into like a paper like consistency. Cause I find yes. it easier to work with. Mm hmm. It's great for if you're making books or journal pages or something to have that um, stiffness. And now when you stamp on fabric, do you tend to use stamp pads or do you tend to use paint? I use both. I like to use a lot of found um, items. And for that, like, oh gosh, like, you know, anything you find in the house, like a good example would be like um, a paper towel roll where you can stamp in the paint and then stamp on your fabric and you have circles. That's much classier than the toilet paper roll I like to use. I was going to say that, but I thought, (laughs) 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 um, yeah. So, you know that, and then I also use, um, ink pads. What kind of ink pads do you like? I use a lot of times, um, the stays on, um, ink pads. They're not really made for fabric, but, um, you know, they work. And then I also will use, um, ones that are made for fabric and such. Like right now I'm using, um, uh, Imagine Crafts, um, Memento Lux, if you're familiar with those. I'm not familiar with those at all. They're very pretty. And I'm using those on fabric um, and again, you just would heat set them. Um, so yeah, so I'll, I'll use a variety. Um, if it's something that needs to be like, um, you know, like a, like a, um, distress ink or something that would need to be set with, um, with like a spray of some kind of, you know, finishing spray. Um, cause that's their water base. So. Um, you know what's yeah, funny yeah. is the Adirondack spray inks that mm-hmm. Ranger originally came out with uh-huh. were actually intended for fabric uh-huh. and then evolved into paper use over time. Yeah. I have a set of those um, sprays. And you're probably a good person to ask this. Um, I don't really like – I have a ton of spray inks, the Adirondacks and, and others. Uh the you know they do you have to go far away because I get I don't like the pattern. Oh, you get the blob, yes, or you get the circle. Yeah, I will tell you the Dina Wakely trick, which I think really actually works. Which is a yeah, you should be like you know six to eight inches away rather than really close because that's how you get that thing. But you have mm-hmm. to move your hand while you're spraying. I see. And it's one of these brain things like trying to walk and chew gum. But if you stand, (laughs) if you're still and just spray it straight, you get that little circle of like the nozzle. Do you know what I mean? 
-hmm. Whereas if you move your hand, you get a more diffuse glow. But I have to tell you, and you would probably like this, Rebecca, because you do fabric and because you want a more diffuse spray, mm -hmm. I think that the uh, it's much more expensive, but I think the much better alternative to spray inks is actually Copic Airbrush. Oh, really? Yeah, I got a um, compressor and the whole setup for the Copic Airbrush, and I am telling you, it completely changed everything. It's dry immediately. Because it's mm -hmm. alcohol ink, it'll go onto any surface. You can obviously blend the colors because they're still Copics. It comes in a huge wide range of colors because they're Copic markers. And again, like you never, ever, ever have to worry about the spray not being perfectly lovely diffuse. Mm -hmm. It's perfect every time. It works for stenciling. It works for all ulcers applications i think it's amazing nice i'll have to try that there you go so geek talk well if i can ever get you to you know come out to visit new york then you could try out mine <laughs> that would be fun <laughs> you're actually i was gonna say you're from outside chicago my mom's from outside chicago it's like a whole bunch of i could tell from her accent <laughs> i was gonna ask that that she was from the chicago area uh, yep i've been here all my life just a couple Chicago gals hanging out. I grew up in Evanston. Oh, yeah. I know. But I could saying. tell instantly that you were from the area. That's what people <laughs> say. I don't, you know, I don't hear it, but. Well, that's like anything. That's like the second, people can never tell that I'm Asian, but as soon as I say that I am, they're like, oh, I can see it in your eyes. And I'm always like, okay, thanks. <laughs> It is what okay. it is. We never see the things that other people see in us. Anyway, okay, so if I can summarize, I don't even know what that word is. Uh, <laughs> if I can summarize sort of the idea, I think, between behind the Fabric Elements line, which I believe it won the CHA Innovation Award, yes? It did. Yes, it did. Which is very exciting, too, is that it is providing uh, a way for you to be successful at being a sort of surface designer because it's mm -hmm. giving you uh, easy-to-digest products that you can use to be a fabric surface designer. Is that yay, nay? Does that sound about right? I would say so. And, you know, uh, materials and things that, you know, over the years that I've used – so, and I like them and want to share my knowledge with others, you know, that will hopefully buy the, the program, um, things in the program. So and for people uh, who aren't uh, fabric people, I know you mentioned that there's tissue paper. Yes. I, I'm a tissue paper fan, big time. And um, I use it with um, Fusible Web a lot to create this. Um, fusible material that um, is paper-like. So I have a technique I call fragile fusion that um, you back the tissue paper with, um, you know, the double-sided fusible? Yes. Web. And the brand that we're using is Easy Steam 2. And then you paint on it and stamp on it and you're satisfied with what you have because I I designed a a um, the tissue already but then you know more is more and more is great um, in collage so in life and I go to a buffet and I definitely think more is more <laughs> yes more is great I can't you know that's just me I, I keep going till I say yeah I like that stop so um 
So yes, there's paper in this. And then that paper that I just talked about can be, um, you peel off the back and it's, it's um, sticky and you can fuse it to just about anything. Um, fabric, wood, um, you know, that type of any, any kind of surface. And um, yeah, it's, it's just great. And then, then I'll use it in an art quilt, you know, and sew and stitch on it and, and so forth. So um, yeah. So Rebecca, I think that you have a very distinct style. Like when I see pieces, I recognize them as yours. Is that something that you've consciously developed over time or is that just sort of a happy accident? It just happens. I, I think one time you, you called it geometric, maybe, Vic, no, I don't know if you said Victorian. Um, but It's delicate and ladylike. And um, a lot of times, you know, I like, I like things um, balanced. So geometrically, I, you know, like I said, I use circles a lot and I try to balance color and, and the design and, and so forth. Um, when I'm working on something. And do you find that your paper and fabric projects have the same style? I would say so. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit technically because mm -hmm. I know you are not a huge web person and computer person, no, but, but you have what? a gorgeous new website. Yes, I was just going to say that. You, you already knew. Um, yes, I, I bit the bullet. And had someone, worked with somebody um, that I found on Etsy. And she helped me um, get Wait a the second. You found, you found a web designer on Etsy? Yes. yes How did, did. You just go, do you just go to Etsy and look for a web designer? Uh, somebody told me about it. Oh. You know, that there's design, you know, people that do that on, on there. And sure enough, um, I found somebody. And she, you know, it was a collaboration um, the technical stuff, you know, I could do it, but it would take me a long, long time. And I just don't have, you know, the extra hours to put into that. So I paid someone to help me, um, get it the way I wanted. Yeah. And was it a good experience? Cause I've heard both sides of it. Some people say, oh my God, what a nightmare. And some people are like, oh my God, I loved it. It was easy and awesome. It was good. It was really good. Um, she was real easy to work with and I'm very picky about certain things and, you know, I kept um, telling her, you know, what I liked, what I didn't. And she was very, very good and, you know, did what I wanted. So I'd have to say yes. So having and been I, through, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so after I got this website and I have different places on there. So I want to do more uh, <clears throat> um, like online classes and and talk more, put my classes I teach up there and certain things. So, um, and in about fabric elements and stencils, my stencils. So, um, that's my goal is to get the, the online stuff, the classes and that. And, um, well, let's talk about what you are teaching. What do you, what kind of stuff are you teaching right now? Uh, let's see. I just got back from a couple months ago. I taught in Portland and what oh, did I you teach at Art and Soul? I did. Oh yes. my gosh, I've always wanted to go to that event. I want to hear everything about the event. Okay, so people who don't know, will you describe what Art and Soul is? Uh, it is an art retreat. Um, there's one early in the year and then one um, in the fall. 
So the next time I teach at Art and Soul will be in the fall in Virginia Beach. And it's it's a gathering of teachers um, that we, you know, submit um, class proposals. You know, sometimes they get accepted and sometimes, you know, they don't. So you submit and then if you're accepted, then you can teach, um, you know, as many workshops as there's space for you. And um, people, you know, come to these retreats and take a bunch of classes and um, have a lot of fun. So it's similar to Create or one of those other, which no yes. longer exists, sadly, but one or, or one of those other large retreats. Yeah. yeah. With a focus, and obviously, on mixed media, I think. Yes. So what I taught was the um, surface design fabric class. And then I taught a mixed media embroidery class. What and is mixed media embroidery? Is that just mixing paint and embroidery or? It's um, layering. So you, I start with a piece of Osnaberg fabric. I don't know if you know what that is. I do not, but it's a lovely word. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's almost like a linen type fabric that's like a basic staple that you could find the, in the fabric store. Um, and then I layer... Um, paper towels on that and then cover it with uh, a piece of dyed painted cheesecloth and then you um, embroider on it and stitch on it and you can add beads and buttons um, free motion stitch on it until you come up with this embroidered piece of mixed media cool mm -hmm. Where, how do you come up with your class ideas? Is it stuff you're actively working on? Is it stuff from your books? Is it stuff that you're done with? Is it, I mean, is it projects that you made? How do you, when you sit down to develop classes, how do you do that? Um, a little bit of all of what you just said. It, it just depends um, if it's something at the moment that I mean, I'm really into or think, and I try to think through the eyes of what the students that take the class would, would like. You know, um, and it's they like to have something they can um, take home finished generally. Um, so I keep that in mind. And um, yeah, a lot of you have to think of a lot of different things when you're going to teach. You do. It's hard. I, I think people never understand <laughs> not to like be like, oh, poor me. But like teaching it requires a lot of work before you even show up in class. Oh, yes. A lot of prep. Um, a lot, most of the time I kit my classes. Wow. Um, so they have mm. everything that they, you know, to just get started. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, Julie, getting all your supplies and iron out details and it's time consuming. It is. It's time consuming. It's, it's, uh, I wrote a article years ago for cloth, paper, scissors magazine about the mathematics <laughs> of teaching. And one of the things that I talked about is when you actually break down the financial, you know, like money making part of it, you see that most people teach for the love of the game. Because if you consider time and all that kind of stuff, it's insane. I mean, now, as a person who loves taking well, classes, I'm so glad that so many people love the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, travel expenses, too. I mean, because they're not included, you know, from the retreat. you got to pay, you know, and you have to take that all into consideration. Do you ever take classes when you go to the retreat or do you just teach? I, I have not taken a class 
but I want to. The next time I teach, I want to take, you know, someone else's class. I'd yeah. Love to you, Julie. Mm. That would be fun. There you go. Then you could see me being completely inappropriate. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> this is the appropriate <laughs> version of me, which is scary. Mom, you did not raise me well. I was just thinking when you said doing the bad work in order to come out eventually with the good work earlier. Wait a second. Are you saying so, that I'm the so bad you're work? My, you're my uh, starter. Right. And then my brother. Experimental kid. And your brother is the keeper kid. Oh, how nice. <laughs> good thing I know it's not true that he's the experiment. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I think that that's actually true in a lot of things of life, which is you do just have to keep pushing. It's even like, I think about the early classes I taught and how much different of a teacher I am now because those poor students, I made plenty of mistakes on them, you know, and I'm probably one mistake is that at first, when you start to teach, you try to pack more into the class. Yes. Not taking into account how long it's going to take for people to yes. do things. That's absolutely true. And I also think a mistake that I made really early on is feeling like I had to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, because, you know, it, it's if a student asks you a question and the answer is, I don't know, let's find out. I think that's fine. As opposed to feeling like, you know, you must know everything and be the expert in everything. Nowadays, I feel very chill and relaxed in class. And I say, listen, this is the way I do stuff. It's the way my brain works. If you have a better idea, fantastic. Uh, tell me what it is and I'll probably steal it, you know. There's there's many ways of right. I mean, yes. You know, there's not just this straight line that you have to, you know, follow. That's the fun of class. You can, you know, I always encourage, and I'm sure you do too, for um, students to, you know, put their own spin on everything. Um, yeah, because I always say, like, if you walk out with something that looks exactly like me, how disappointing. You should have just bought something right. from me. If you want to walk out with something that looks like you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, I, do, I answer a small percentage of Julie's mail, and often people mm -hmm. will write to her and say, what happens if I do this to this other thing? And Julie's mm -hmm. answer is always, why don't you try it? Mm -hmm. Right. Because why like, are people afraid to try it? I agree. Because like you, Rebecca, I don't have any formal art training. So everything that I know is because I tried it. I read it. I poked mm -hmm. it. I played with it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that I listened to this really fascinating, I love podcasts, obviously, we're in the middle of doing one, but so I listened to this really interesting TED Talk podcast that was about play, mm -hmm. and basically one of the things that they said is like, because, you know, with the separation of mobile devices and like really kids not interacting and playing and doing all that stuff, it is changing them because one of the ways that you learn is through play, because play is actually about making mistakes and trying out things. And they actually said that there's a correlation between play and aggression, which is to say, in play, you sort of learn not to be aggressive and horrible because you learn the negative consequences of it in a play situation, you mm -hmm. know, taking the truck yeah. away and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so then actually later in life, you, you, you know, not to do that because you learned it. But the point is that sometimes you, you only learn in the doing of it. It doesn't matter if somebody said to you, don't beat other people up and take their truck away. You have to actually right. go through that to know yes. not to do it. Mm -hmm. And I just think the mm -hmm. same thing is true for art making. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, people, you know, that's the fun of collage and mixed media that, um, trying out, you know, 
your I like to give the students like a base and then of of the instructions or how I did things like you said and then I love to see what they come up with because they all have their little um, add their own little um, part of it to to the project you know what whether it's color or design or whatever yeah for me class does the same thing that like a stencil does which is to say class is like a safe space in which you have some guidelines but you're free to add yourself into it and a stencil is the same idea which is you have some guidelines they're designed but you're free to use it in the yes. way in which you would like. And I always think that for me, the most successful art that I make is the times when I have some guidelines and some things that are safe for me, and then I'm taking other small risks. And that's mm -hmm. their work I really like. Mm -hmm. So who I knows? Uh, okay, I want to talk about... Uh, a little bit just about sort of what you what's coming up for you like what's next you're marching through taking over the world you got a new website you got the fabric elements line you have stencils with the crafters workshop what else is happening rebecca well right now um part of having fabric elements in joanne's stores is they want a physical model so i am plugging along i have to make 960 tags what? Fabric <laughs> tags. Whoa. Um, yes. Yo, roll. Yes. <laughs> 960 tags. All different? No, no, no. I'm making their like assembly line, you know, paint color and everything will be the same. So I'm working on that. And then I, I need to um, make a, a quilt for quilt market, spring quilt market using the fabric elements line and um quilt market for people who don't know oh, is no. a huge show it's the equivalent of cha in the quilting world mm -hmm. yep and um the company i work with will have a booth there and then they you know put all their stuff in that they're you know selling and then um like you said it's a lot like cha so I get a lot of emails from people who are interested in becoming licensed product designers, which is what you are, Rebecca. So I wonder if you might give people some hints as to, like, when you wanted to do your fabric elements line, is that something they approached you about? Did you approach them? How did that work? It's a very serendipity type thing. I, um, I wanted to do this. It's been a, a goal of mine um, to have some type of, you know, project like this. And I... The year before this past CHA, I was walking the, sh the floor and um, the company I work with, Fabric Editions, had a booth and I just sat down and was started to talk to them and lo and behold, they were wanting to do something as well with, you know, they recognized that um, mixed media and art quilting <clears throat> is a growing thing and that and my, you know, what I told them was I would like to see more fabric in, um, you know, the, the CHA show and, and um, have people sell fabric in their stores, the, the buyers at CHA. So it evolved, you know, we went back and forth and I, um, a lot of it was based on my art, fabric art collage books. And, you know, we went back and forth, um, 
it's a long process, but now like today when I got the actual fabric, um, you know, then it's like, oh man, I, I'm so glad I did this because it was, you know, so much, it's there, it's real. So that's, that's. It's kind of the feeling I assume that you had when you got your books because it's the feeling I got when I did my book, which is it seems so unreal, so unreal. And you're working, 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 and it feels like you're just digging a hole and then suddenly the real thing is there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, it's, it's a long process. Anything you do, um, you know, so we started working on this, uh, well over a year ago. So, and now it's, you know, actually that's pretty fast to market. If you consider that it was a new relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I always tell people, I think uh, one of the really good pieces of advice I got when I really wanted to be published in a scrapbooking magazine years and years ago uh, was somebody said you should always have this book of 10. And the book of 10 was the idea that you had 10 scrapbook pages that were publishable, meaning they were publishing quality that had never been seen before on the web. And they were just waiting for a publisher to say, what else do you have? And I think it's kind of like when you're an actor and you audition and you come in with a monologue, but you should have a second monologue prepared. So if you're a designer and you want to be a product designer, you need to have an idea of what you'd like to do. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So that when you run into a serendipitous moment, when you have that meeting in the minds, you're ready to do it. It's, It's kind of like how I feel... Everything about my theatrical career, which you could say, well, Julie, you wasted 10 years of your life doing something that you don't do right now. I feel like there are so many elements of that that having developed those skills now carry into now mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff I need to do. If I hadn't had the theater company, I wouldn't have learned HTML. I wouldn't have learned how to do my own website. I wouldn't, you know, a lot of the ways that when I teach are things that I learned as a director in a rehearsal mm-hmm. room. I just think, you know, you need to be prepared. And some of it is stuff that you've done earlier in life that prepares you for that opportunity. But some of it is planning. And it's never a bad idea to show up somewhere with some ideas. Oh, definitely. And I, in the successes I've had um, is networking. <clears throat> you know, don't be afraid to approach. Now, I'm saying this now. At the very beginning, I was very... Um, you know, nervous about it, you know, talking to a manufacturer or whatever, um, or an editor. Um, but it gets, you know, the more you do it, the more confidence you, you get. And I have, you know, no problem, um, you know, going into a booth and asking to see their art director or, um, you know, you're supposed to generally make an appointment beforehand, but you know how the, this show is, Julie, it's, um, a lot of times it's just like you walk in and connect um, to the booth. So Also, sometimes the networking doesn't immediately pay off, but down yeah. the road it comes back around. Yes. Yeah, and I will say well, that I know a lot of people are wary of the first time they ever meet you. The first thing you say is, I want to do this for you instead of like forming a relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing. Um, you know, establish a relationship with companies whose products you really like um that you know that's important um and and sometimes that grows into something um like you said Eileen it it, you might not right away um that's what happened with the fabric elements thing um I sent them my books and then I didn't hear from them for a good like four months and I thought oh they've forgotten about it and you know don't want to do it but lo and behold then um a little bit after that, 
they contacted me. So, um, yeah, if it, if it's meant to be, it will happen. Right. And you had a long relationship with Crafters Workshop before you started designing stencils. Yes. Yes. Used a lot of them, used yours. And, and, um, at first I, you know, I talked with the owner, Jamie, and I thought, I don't know if I have anything that could, you know, add to the product line she already had. Um, and that, that went on for a while. And then when I had some, a little downtime, I started experimenting and then now I have quite a few stencils. You do, and they're beautiful, and you know they're they have a very distinct Rebecca Meyer style, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where I remember somebody once said to me, which is if you're submitting work for licensing in, let's say, like, I don't know, houseware or something, you have to mm-hmm. think about most companies have an in-house graphic designer. What can you offer mm-hmm. that their in-house graphic designer can't do? And the only thing you have is you. Mm-hmm. So that's really about creating work constantly that is like you. And this goes back to what we were talking about, about being a student and making work that looks like you. It goes back to having a distinct style that is you, which is, I think you just have to make a certain volume of art in order to find your style because all of us imitate others until we can find our place. And there's nothing wrong with imitating others, especially when you give credit but you have to work through the imitation period until you find something that's you. And you get and you have confidence that, you know, you can move on to and experiment with your own ideas and design. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh mother, you've again once again dominated the podcast with your loud and obnoxious comments. Uh is there anything I just can't else? help myself. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think well, the interesting thing is that all our guests have different pathways into getting into craft and art. And I think it's not like, you know, you go to medical school and then you become an intern and a resident and you just sort of flow along on the conveyor belt. There really are lots of entry points and it's not age restricted or education restricted. So I, I, I think it's fascinating to hear everybody's uh, pathway. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Rebecca, cool. where can people find you online? At uh, RebeccaMeyer.com. Uh, and will you spell that for people? Oh, it is a little different. Uh, R-E-B-E-K-A-H-M-E-I-E-R.com. And as always, you can find me at balzerdesigns.typepad.com. And do leave us your comments or questions at balzerdesigns.com backslash arting, A-R-T-I-N-G. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag, hashtag artingpodcast. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs> <laughs>